Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, titled Justice for by Pastor Walter Arias. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. And allow me to pray for this moment, for this portion of the word. Good God, we give you thanks for giving us today and giving us for the opportunity of your word that ministers to the heart. Thank you for allowing us to come here, Lord, from our homes that your church is in to worshiping you the opportunity to exalt your name and to recognize your greatness. But Lord, we need your word so it could minister to us, so that it could speak through it. And so it could be seated in our thoughts, your will. And I ask God that this word be effective in all the listeners. And I ask King in the name of Jesus, that it be you, Lord, using me as an instrument for your glory and honor, giving me your boldness, God, by your Holy Spirit, to speak as it suits, and to all that listen today, that it be you placing the ear for them to hear. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. How many of us give the glory to God and give the glory to God where you are? Clap those hands. Clap your hands. Amen. On May 25th, a regrettable event occurred that shook the heart, not only of the victim's family and his friends, but the heart of everyone in general. Civilians like police forces, mayors, governors, and even the president of this country and of all places in the world. The vile murder of George Floyd at the hands of four blinded, arrogant, haughty, and abusive Minneapolis police officers caused not only the pain of the people of the city of Minneapolis, but also of the entire world. And not only that, but they unleashed a fury, cruelty, wickedness, abuse, and the injustice in thousands of people around the world. In James chapter 1, verse 12, the word of God says, James chapter 1, please take notes. And take notes at home and take notes when you come here. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, the proof when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Today's topic has as a title justice for, and you can see what you place after that. Justice for for George Floyd, for his family for the African-American community, for the immigrants, for the residents of this country, for the citizens, for the good police, for the good governors, justice for, justice for you, justice for your family where they may be, justice for all. I want to speak of three things. The first 
is of an injustice. And the second, an emotional reaction that can be good or bad before an injustice. And the third, a the formula of God to deal with injustice. And we want to get into the topic, an injustice, an injustice, the first point. Injustice, according to the dictionaries, everything that goes against the moral principle that inclines to act in the truth and what corresponds to it. I repeat it. Injustice, according to the dictionary, is everything that goes against the moral principle that inclines to act in the truth and what corresponds to it. All of us, we suffer injustices. All of us, you where you may be, you suffer injustice. Not only do you suffer, but you have suffered. And I can tell you that you will suffer injustice. And not only that, we, all of us, commit injustices. We have committed, we commit regularly, and assuredly we will commit what a type of injustice in the future. The word in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12, is clear, speaking of the condition of the human being. When a human being it grows, stops being a child and grows, and the conscious comes in, the knowledge, what knowledge? Consciousness. That person then starts to act in a certain way and they commit something called injustice. Injustice before the things of God. That's why it says, for all have sinned. So it says here in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And you may say, Pastor, but I'm connected today. I'm here present in the temple. I'm seeking God. Yes, the text, what it's saying, that there's a moment that all become unjust, where all we have deviated. In a moment of life, we deviated. In a moment of life, in infancy, adolescence, we made an unjust act against God, and we became separated from that relationship because we're spiritual beings, and we fell from that condition. So, the Apostle Paul says there that there is none righteous, no, not one. And what I want to make clear with this is that injustice is something that we all fall into. And it's something that we infringe. And I ask you where you may find yourself, are you a person that is just? Totally? Or are you a person that you could recognize that you commit injustices? What does God want for you? What does God want for me? So God wants us to be careful of ourselves. First, that what God is always going to point to is your own heart, your personal heart. First, me. The word is first for me. I can't see it for others. I have to be honest and conscious that God is speaking to me, do you feel that God is speaking to you today? Or do you think this word is for someone else? 
Because I say the best is that you always embrace the word for you. It's not selfishness. It's that we embrace the word for us because we want to be transformed and we need to be transformed to stop working in so much injustices. So God, what he wants is that we be careful of ourselves to know how to treat or deal with the difficult moments, with the moments where you they commit injustices against us, but also that we know how to treat in the daily life everyone else and that we're not unjust. Let us see what is something that's unjust and take notes. In the first letter to Timothy in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I will show you what's an injustice. The Apostle Paul says there, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, put their presidents for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why do I say what's an injustice? This text tells us about the injustice that is continually committed. When are we unjust beings? When we don't see the justice, the righteousness of the word, the mandate, the order from heaven to us. When we don't pray for someone, when we don't pray, and especially here, it's directed to the governors. When we don't present them before God, the president of this country, and who is, if it's a different one, or if it's the same one, or if we don't pray when others were presidents, then we have committed an injustice. We need to pray for the governors, whether we like them or not, whether they are, we like them or not, whether they're good or not. The Bible is not saying if it's a political party, if it's from your political party, pray for them. If it's your theological, no, the Bible is just saying that whoever is governing to pray for him or her. If it's the governor that you have, pray for that governor. And if it brought you another mayor, then pray for them. And if you have this president of the company, then pray for him. And if you have the boss or the supervisor of your company, pray for them because they were placed by God. It's someone placed in eminence. It's an injustice thing when we don't pray because we pretend that that person does their work without divine intervention. So we pretend that they work a good job, a good law, or establish a good principle in a country, in a state, in a city, or an institution without giving them the opportunity that the kingdom of God get into their hearts. That's something that is injustice to not pray for those that govern. It's injustice of those people that are in eminence. It's an injustice for those people that are our bosses, our teachers. A teacher is the person that God put in authority over me. It is unjust, an injustice. God doesn't want us to live in injustice, but it's necessary that we talk about this. And it says that if we pray for them, we're going to live, is that we will live 
restfully and peaceably. How will that work? First, God directs the mind of that person or that they make a better job or that they conquer the darkness that is against their uh, governorship or that they renounce because God can touch the heart that is vile to to quit, but we need to pray for that person. But also there's a process of healing when we pray for others. And we're going to get into this further on. And I want to have established it's injustice that someone asks someone to govern well without the mind of Christ. It's unjust that you ask that the leader, your Bible study group, if you're not praying for them so that they could do their ministerial job, the leader of the ministry, maybe you don't like a leader If you don't pray for them, that's unjust on your part. It's unjust when we don't intercede for the others so that they could do their job well. It's unjust to pray so that it goes bad for a governor. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible never say that we should pray so that it goes bad for that person who I don't like or that person I don't want or that person that doesn't have the same ideology or theology as I. We have to pray so that God can direct them. Are you with me? Are you with me in your house? Very good. Second, an emotional reaction. An emotional reaction. Human beings, we have emotions, feelings, and we're going to react in one way or another. Before an injustice, anger can be good or bad, depending on the motive and the purpose. Anger is the result of something that affects the heart or the mind of a person, something that goes against one, something that you feel unjust causes anger, but that anger could be good or could be converted into something diabolic, something that's very damaging if you if I don't control it. And there... I want to speak of two things, the legitimate sentiment and the animal reaction, because the legitimate sentiment is that we get bothered with something that we don't like. So you have the right that if you don't like something, that something affects you when something commits an injustice against you, you have the right to be bothered, to be angered, to be feeling attacked, to be feeling mistreated. That's legitimate because it's something that God placed in you, an emotion, a feeling, a sentiment. In fact, the word of God in Psalm 4-4, where the Apostle Paul earlier cited this, and it says, be angry, Psalm 4-4, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. And in the majority of the Bibles, it says Selah. In other words, stop and meditate in these words. Let us stop and meditate. Let us do the Selah that it says there. Be angry and do not sin. When it says be angry, the psalmist, what is saying there, that a bad news or something that's unjust, and the person's like, and, and, and they're angered of the bothersome that the unjust thing caused to them. So that's legitimate. It's legitimate that you feel damaged, that you feel offended. That's not a sin. That is a reality that you feel that they did something bad against you. So you tremble with anger. You're agitated. You want to maybe bite your nails. (laughs) You want to walk. You can't concentrate. Why? Because emotionally you've been impacted because of an injustice. That's not 
a sin, but it says do not sin. So then after the reaction or the reaction that we do before justice is what's going to mark a great difference of what God wants or what God doesn't want. So he says, do not sin. And it says to meditate in this in your heart on your bed. As to say, before I go to sleep, before I have a deep sleep, I have to resolve that anger. And the Apostle Paul cites that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. And he has even a, a little bit more profoundness. And he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Be bothered. So it's okay that you get bothered. It's okay that it hurts you. It's okay that it makes that we feel bad because it's a feeling. But it says, do not sin. And do not let the sun, don't let the night, don't allow to lay down and stay asleep if you have not resolved that in your heart. Anger cannot be what anger you have to deal with it because it is a legitimate feeling for an injustice caused or created in our life but the word is wise and tells us how to deal with it because it says that we should not give place to the devil how many of us give place to the devil when we don't resolve an injustice in that heart we give legitimacy to Satan to take control with his demons so that he could do with our lives as he wishes and so that he takes from us the most damaged emotions the most damaged emotions let us not give place to the devil we get angered against injustice yes we have to be angered of course I call that a holy anger we are angered against wickedness immorality and piety in any sinful way that is fine we have to get angered against all type of injustices all type of wickedness we can get angered we don't have to like wickedness we don't like to have or like the injustice but this anger is free from selfishness because this anger has a connotation towards what is heavenly it's going to be the love of God it's based on the love of God it's not based on a principle of mind but a true of the of truth of the kingdom and Jesus himself gives us that example when he entered the temple you remember that it says that he entered and he turned over the tables and all that were selling there and buying because they made the house of, a, of God a business and you can see there in that text Jesus angered because it is a holy anger because of the presence of God and it's holy because what is right and just before God he's bothered but it's an anger because he has a reverent zealousy to God so you could get angered I could get, get on angered for injustices that's fine but even that holy anger we have to be careful that it doesn't turn into a root of bitterness because become we become religious we become religious that we judge the whole world because of the faith that I have and we commit a damage because we become unjust in the name of God in the name of Jesus because I love God I start to hate those that were created in the image and likeness of God and that should not be we need to resolve that anger even that anger that has holy things we have to be careful and the second 
subtopic, an animal reaction. I'm going to recapitulate. We're speaking of Justice 4. Justice 4, dot, dot, dot. And we're speaking of injustice. What is an injustice? Then an emotional reaction that can be a legitimate sentiment or feeling, but there's also an animal reaction. And I want to get into that. An animal reaction. We have to be very careful. Look, the peaceful protest before an injustice, when the people come out, oh, the people come out, and we march on the streets of a city for an injustice committed by the government or or the police force, that's legitimate. You can go and have a protest in your school if you fulfill the requirements and the protocol. You can have a protest as a marching in the city because that's legitimate. It's a constitutional right. Is the right that if I don't like, the right is there. But there's parameters to do. So I have to be careful of the animal reaction because the peaceful protest is part of the legitimate feeling or the sentiment and the constitutional right. But when it goes to that, to another injustice, then then it's an act of a carnal reaction. I stop being just and I become unjust curiously in the name of what's good. I end up doing what's bad. And that's not what God wants. I would say, take care of yourself of the monster that's in the closet. Have you heard that they came out of the closet? All human beings have a monster in that closet. They have a potential to be an assassinator, to, to, to be to be abandoned. They have a destructive potential, but we have to take care and guard ourselves of that who is in us, that person that wants to come out and wants to do away in the name of justice. And he becomes injustice at the same time. James chapter one, verse 14 to 15 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Allow me to speak about this a little bit. What injustice of what George Floyd. I think that... Even to the most evil person, it hurt them what happened to him. Because even into the person that's the most, the worst person, there's still goodness in him. What an injustice. But what an injustice that has raised up of many people that have come to waste away the cities, to destroy businesses that had nothing to do with that, that came to to do away with the guarantees that of what the people have worked so many years for with their businesses, with their buildings, with their homes, with their cars. How unjust when they take a rock and, in, and, and they stone an institution or a property that is private of people that had nothing to do with that act. How does it happen? Simply because the Bible says it. Because everyone is tempted by their own desires and enticed. 
So then that spirit, that cruel spirit of evilness and damaging of those four officials on the injustice that they did upon George Floyd, that same spirit that was in them in that moment, haughtiness, arrogance, blindness, all of that is the same that is in all those people that are destroying and rioting. It's the same spirit. It's only that it's activated in a different way, but it's the same demon. It's the same. Because from that is attracted to what I have in my heart. That. It's legitimate. That's nothing good. But it's legitimate in the feeling, in the bothersome. I want to do justice. But I have to have something that's called self-control. Because then if not, it's just an act of the flesh. So then the people are attracted. And when they finish... They finish destroying, burning, damaging, killing. So then they are so unjust and so vile and cruel and so damaged as those four police people that wanted to judge George Floyd because they're attracted. How dangerous that monster that's within me. How dangerous that monster that's within you. How dangerous that thing that is so rotted and damaged within us. And the Bible calls that your old nature or death. A life not controlled by the spirit is a carnal life. A life ruled by emotions is a carnal life. When it says that you're in the flesh, what it's to say that you're in your own emotions acting in your emotions, in your most vile part, you're you're acting in your anger and your wrath where the spirit of God is not in the heart of the person or they have it reserved in a corner of the heart and they don't let that the spirit of God govern. It doesn't let that the Holy Spirit govern the spirit within the human being. There's no self-control. When a person doesn't have the spirit of God or when it's not a mature spiritual being, then the self-control doesn't appear. There's no meekness. And that word meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under control. It says that we should be humble and meekness. The Bible speaks of Jesus and of Moses. Why of Moses? Because Moses was given all the power of God in ancient times to work miracles, to work signs and wonders. He was Christ for the Hebrews in that time. He had a power and what he God said he did. So the power that he had, he had the power to separate a sea in two, to bring so many things for all. He had a power so that the wrath would fall on the people of Egypt in his power. He had to be meek because th- that that meekness, because if not, then his, he uses his power back. Like some disciples of Jesus that were disciples but did not have that meek heart, but they had the power that they were called the sons of thunder. The Bible says that when they went to a region, the sons of thunder, the disciples of Jesus come and they bring the report. In this region, they don't want to receive you. Do you want us to... Pray so that fire comes from heaven and consumes them. Imagine the power that they had. But they, and Jesus said, no, 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 it's not like that. (laughs) To his disciples, look at the power that they had, but they didn't have that self-control. Yes. And at least they asked Jesus. Imagine if they said, Jesus, look, we burned a whole city in your name. In your name, we did it. 
No. Oh, how could that happen? No. At least they asked. So then we have to take this into account because we're speaking of of what is a animal reaction. So police forces should be meek because the police forces have, and my friends that are police in, 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 uh, in places of responsibility over, uh, in prison and, and security guards, all those, you have a huge power and They've given you power, but you have to have a meek heart because that power that you have in the moment that you have that humanity, that you let go of that humanity in Christ, you're going to create an act, vile act that's going to damage your your life or someone else's life. So the police forces should be meek. Power, they have the power to do justice. They have power to exercise. They have that justice. They they have the power to exercise a punishment because the power the police have that we can't take that way. It's a truth that they give the police. But if they don't have self-control, they turn into those four policemen killing a George Floyd or pushing an adult from 75 years old and falling and hitting his head and bleeding from his ear. Or or pushing a thin woman very strong and falling and breaking open her head. Or with a baton or with a stick and hitting everybody. And in the effect, taking out a taser. And the young students breaking their glasses. And then they take them out of the car and they beat them down. That is called power without meekness. We need to be meek. Because then we're operating in an animal reaction. When you attack so many people, all the businesses, those same police, they attack civils with the constitutional right to protest. And they throw gas and they hit them. And they want to take them out or not let them go into the place to where they can go into rightfully. That is to have power, but without meekness. How dangerous a police force or a governor or a government or an institution of the government that doesn't have control, that doesn't have that, and it only has all that power. It's very dangerous. Those police that attack the owners of the businesses, keeping people legitimately protecting their businesses so that those bandits would not come and find themselves that the bandits didn't come to damage the property, but the police themselves came to damage them, to beat them and to throw gas upon them and pepper spray in the eyes. That is an unjust act. And what about the civil society that has so much power? Because the society has power. We, the citizens, we have a powerful power that is backed by the Constitution. When the people come together, they change constitutions. They change laws. When a people come together and they project something, they transform a society. And they can do it from all the capacity of the unity, of their wisdom, or or ideals. They can do it in their way of speaking. They could do it all because the society that's united has a powerful power. But how dangerous when they are in damaged emotions, when that society is 
out of what is the spirit. How dangerous. Why? Because they turn into rioters and they burn businesses. They destroy cars that but people had nothing to do with anything. The police cars that then we're going to have to buy. Those that stole the stores, those that attacked business owners and store owners and those that have killed good police officers. Speaking of injustice, justice for who? Justice for who? Put there. What does the word of God say in James chapter 4 verses 1 to 3? From where injustice comes from. Listen well. James 4 verses 1 to 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and contain and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So where does war come from? It says clearly it comes from within us, from our passions, that monster that is in a closet and each and every one of us. Disorderly passions want to say things that are out of the way of God, that are not aligned with the things of God. They're moving. It's a word. They're off from that link of God. And before all injustice in a world that is unjust, God provides a heavenly solution. And I want to get into that to finish. We have seen the first that the topic today has as a title, Justice For. And we have spoken about what is injustice. Also, the emotional reaction that could be a legitimate sentiment and correct. And that we have to be careful of an animal reaction, which is diabolic. And now we get into the heavenly formula. What is the heavenly formula? So that we could live restfully. What is the formula that God gives to us so that we can do it well? What is the formula that God says that we be the salt of the earth that we are? That he says we are. If you're a person that has confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then this is the formula so that you can live with the standards from heaven. For those of us that have believed that Jesus is God, this is not law of vengeance. No, because this, Jesus erased, not tooth for tooth and eye for eye. No, that law was instituted and God put a higher law. Let me tell you why I believe I embrace Christianity with so much love. I embrace Christ in Christianity because it's a, the highest standard that I have seen and no other religion has it. The standard that Christianity has is supernatural. Religions that are so powerful, and when I refer to religions that are so powerful, the three most powerful, Muslims, Judaism, and Christianity are the three largest religions. Two of them have the law eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You damage me, I damage you. You hit me, I hit you. You hate me, I hate you. And my generation, I lift them up hating you. That's why the children, the Jewish children, in one of the Jewish sects, they raise them in a hate. And if you don't believe me, look for it in YouTube. And see what they do with the little children. From They raise them against the governor and against the Muslims. But look, 
the Muslims that lift their children for a hate for the Jews and a hate for the Christians. That is their teaching. And Christianity is not like that. Christianity puts a thought that is higher. Christianity takes us to a formula, to a heavenly formula that who practices it is free, who practices it grows, who practices what is it that is so great to love others, to love others, to love your enemy. That is why I love Christianity because it's a thought that is higher than all that lives in this earth. That they only tell you to do what's good for who is good. From I was when I was little in my house, I, we used to have Alka Salsa. I don't know if you're familiar with that product, Alka Salsa, but the Alka Salsa is a blessed formula to take uh, uneasiness of your stomach. I've always, as a child, when I would take an Alka Salsa when I was young, and even now in my second youth. <laughs> when I take it, I go, what a blessing. This is from heaven. It's so refreshing in Alka-Seltzer when you have an upset stomach. In the same way, the formula of God, the formula of God to heal society is established. If Alka-Seltzer is good to deal with something in your stomach, then let me tell you that the formula of God to save humanity is perfect. It's perfect. The Bible is full with that formula so that you can live better, so you can obtain peace and listen up. Healing amidst pain and injustice. What is the topic today? Injustice, right? So let me tell you that the Word of God has the formula so that you can live and recuperate peace in the midst of pain and injustice and to contend as a society. And I want you to look for a text. And we're going to go from verse to verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 21. Romans chapter 12, verses 14 to 21. This is very high. This is a thought that is great. All of this, the Apostle Paul is speaking but taking everything from the teaching from Christ because he takes text from the Gospels and he says, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Once again, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Allow me and let us speak a little bit about this text. Here it's speaking to us that we pray to desire what's good. Not that we pray so that, that a person, it goes it goes bad for someone who's done something against me, but that we pray blessing them. Listen, speaking to God well of the person that committed that injustice. Tell me if that is not a very high thought. If what is me, the Lord, or what is in me, I'll, Lord, let uh, uh, lightning hit that person. Let him fall down. Let him suffer. That's our human part. Impulses that. That monster in the closet impulses that reaction. But the formula of God for a just society or that there be justice or that I have peace in the midst of injustice is that I pray for those that persecute me. Pray and I bless them and that I don't curse them. Tremendous. What a beautiful thought. Christ is like, wow, he's from another world. He's from another world. So it's a heavenly thought. 
that form, that heavenly formula, the first thing that it wants to do is heal your heart. That's what God wants. Because before an unjust act, the one that's going to be shaking in the bed is yourself because they affected you. And who's going to lay down with a damage is you. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to pray for that person that damaged us, that person that betrayed us, that person that cursed us, that person that caused an injustice, that caused something against our lives. And he says to start praying, blessing, prospering, that I forgive them, God forgive them, don't charge them for this. Father, thank you for your mercy. And when you start to pray like that, something supernatural like that also happens. You get a peace within your heart. You get a peace, something from another world. And that's where we can say from the text that says that he sends the peace that is supernatural above all understanding. Very important to pray. What God is first looking for, and perhaps it's not that God is going to take that person and prosper them a lot, is saying that pray in that direction, and then he will see what he does with that person. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep before an injustice like what happened to George Floyd and before all those business owners and before those good people that had nothing to do with it, we need to cry. That is just before God, that we weep with those who weep, that we lament with the injustices that they commit against others, that it hurt us. And when the people that they get happy, then we get happy. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Be careful. Listen well. Be careful with bad counselors or bad influence. This text is saying that we be careful to not be with those that are haughty. So you have to be wise because your heart is not prepared to deal with an injustice and you get to see more injustices. You start damaging your heart against all the police. You finish damaging your heart against the whole world. Why? Because you got together you got together with those that are haughty. You have to be careful to not follow bad advice. Let me tell you, this is a time. And now I preach a topic that has as a title is that in troubled waters, you have a prophet of fishing. And in this George Floyd, yes, it is troubled. And all the political parties have, a, uh, they are taking advantage of the moment to throw something towards their political party. And they're not praying one for another. They're eating one another. So be careful to associate ourselves that, of those that are not humble. And verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And as I said of a story of uh, Mr. Murphy, it's a story that when I came to New York, when I came to New York, living in the sixth floor and it was uh, Mr. Murphy. I don't know if he was from Ireland, but he lived in the fifth floor. So very one that's very Colombian and like Hispanic and that is more healthier than a Alka-Seltzer, right? And I would say, hi, Mr. Murphy. How are you? Hello. And practicing the English, a little bit of English. Hello. How are you? And that Mr. Murphy was like this. Mr. Murphy was I think that he prayed assuring himself to come out with a with a face like that and every day we always had to 
find ourselves in the elevator, Mr. Murphy and I. And for a year, Mr. Murphy, I would just say, hello, how are you? Good morning, Mr. Murphy. Good evening, Mr. Murphy. Bye, Mr. Murphy. And him like just never did he greet me. Never did he greet me. I didn't want to pay evil for evil. What was the monster my heart could dictate? Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't greet him. Get in with a bad face. Show him that you're strong. The monster that's within invites you to do a lot of things. Treat him bad. Spit by him on the elevator. But because Christ came to govern the heart, and I saw these biblical texts that are better than an Alka-Seltzer, I started to do what the Bible says, to not repay evil for evil. And I practiced with Mr. Murphy that I embraced something from God 28 years ago. I started to greet him and greet him and greet him. Mr. Murphy, hello. Hi, Mr. Murphy. One year. I have it as a testimony. One year. In the year that man surrendered. I think he said, I want to greet this Hispanic. And the year he said, good morning. And I went to my house. Yes. <laughs> I conquered Christ conquered. <laughs> Christ conquered the devil on the cruise. The Bible says, do not pay evil for evil and look for good things in the sight of all men. What's good. Verse 18. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's to say, if it's possible, make peace with people. Have peace with whoever you don't like. If it's possible, have peace with that person that aggravates you. Have peace with the person that betrays you. All the peace, if it's within your reach, do it. But there's a moment, maybe it's not within your reach, because that person doesn't want to change. Then leave it to the Lord. But if it depends on us, then let us be in peace with the whole world, is what this verse is saying here. Verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Oh, for this season, so that they would take it out in all the news. But no newscast put this because the newscast put uh, words, you know, that uh, from, you know, quotes from Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., from Gandhi. But they never put this quote that says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord it's not about being vengeful for each person that has done something wrong to us because you damage yourself it steps it lifts that level of aggressivity in yourself and in others God will retribute in time and his time and what's most important is that God will give peace to your heart. And perhaps you say, God didn't does didn't do justice with that person. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen to that person in life or what God is going to do with that person. But what it says is that, that we do not avenge ourselves, but give place to the wrath to God. And verses 20 and 21 says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This word 
so that you can underline it. He calls a fire on his head to understand the origin of this. It's an origin of a Egyptian culture that is very ancient. An Egyptian culture that when a person committed a vile act and they were rebuked, they showed repentance, they did it by putting a pan on their head filled with coals on fire. That was their way of demonstrating that I am repented. I'm repentant that oh, because of what I did, because what I did was bad. So when the Apostle Paul cites this, he's citing an ancient tradition and he says, for in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. When we, to a person that is unjust, we give them something that they don't deserve. A person that comes to rob us, we bless them. And I believe the word, I'm going to paraphrase, if they ask for your coat, they say, take your, the sandals as well. If they took money, say, hey, I have a little bit more in this other pocket. Here you go. What a thought. That is so great. This is out of this world. It's supernatural. So what Paul is speaking here, he's saying that you can't treat the enemy with the same injustice, with the same law. Let that to God. Let God be in charge with the authorities or whatever or in the time. But you to that enemy, bless them. Oh, and the church of the Lord is beautiful because the church of the Lord, many people come and one doesn't know if they all are believers. We assume that they're all believers, that they're all converted. But some notices that many have not converted and they end up being like some stumbling stones. People that get put pain in your heart as a pastor or minister and you have to go to the house and say, Lord, hallelujah for such a person. But I don't know if they're converted, but I bless them in your name, Lord. Prosper them. Lord, if he, I've had some people, beautiful here, people that come here and have declared in the midst of the congregation that they don't like me, but they sit in the front. And I say, why? And it's none of you here, so don't think so. <laughs> and you know what? My wife and I speak of this. And with the leaders, we speak of this. What do we do? What the Bible says. We embrace them. Oh, my brother, my sister, God bless you. We can't hug now because you can't, but one greets them, one blesses them. I'm going to pay you with love, even though that you don't show me that. I'm going to pay you with a service in the way that you don't serve me. That is good for the places where you work. Listen, you do that where you work, where you study, and you're going to notice how you're prospered. A person always in the business, you're going to find someone that's going to make your life impossible. And I want to take another story because I worked for a company that was a school for my life. And there was someone there, Angela, he was Italian. And he was a family, a friend of the family of Sabaros. He was a founder of the company Sabaros. And this man, this man, when I had to to work, I, I just, he didn't like me. You know, sometimes that happens, right? Above all, when you're good looking, <laughs> others don't like it. That's a joke, please. That's a joke. <laughs> so then 
from the beginning. And he was arrogant with me. And I would get, and he would be like, because he didn't even speak English or Spanish. He spoke in a Italian that was strange. And you could tell, all the people noticed, and he would mumble. And the schedules were different. And one day I had to work in his schedule and me being the manager and him then being under me. And that man had the need. And I knew him about two years. And I always greeted him. I always elegant with him. And he never greeted me. But I practiced with Mr. Murphy in the elevator. So so that was already a second nature for me. And the man, one day comes, he came to open the store at four o'clock in the morning and he had to have the breakfast part and he was an elderly man and he had to do all the food to lift up some trays of eggs to be able to fry and some boxes of potatoes from the basement. It was very heavy. And my heart, when I saw that man carrying this, it hurt me because I saw his age and the, and and having to get up early in a schedule that was so difficult. My heart became tender because of this word. And when I went, I put myself as a servant. I went and I took all the things and I took it for him. And and it's been a while that I haven't left. See, I missed the public of having a public here for that feedback. Amen. Blessed be the Lord. I took all of that and the Lord, in that moment, the only thing I heard is that he said, thank you. Thank you. Not thank you, but thank you. And for me, it was the biggest thing. Do you know what happened? At four afternoon, he finished his uh, shift and he would always drink um, espresso. And he put for me a nickname, the evangelist, the evangelist. Oh, speak to the evangelist. And that day at four o'clock in the afternoon when we our shift finished, he said to me, evangelist, do you want an espresso? And I said, espresso, no. But I said, yes, because we overcame in the name of Jesus. We can't pay evil for evil, church, is what I'm saying. Do not pay evil for evil. This is better than an Alcatraz, I can surely tell you. And let me say something. In Ecclesiastes 10.4, it says the following. If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for conciliation pacifies his great offenses. If the spirit of a person comes against you, if the spirit of your boss or your neighbor or your co-worker or the spirit of your wife or the spirit of your husband comes against you, don't leave your post because your patience. This is a matrimonial advice. With this, I can save marriages if you put this in your hearts. I can assure you this. Everybody took notes. (laughs) 
take notes because you'll save me counseling time. Ecclesiastes 10, 4, there in the home. If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post for conciliation pacifies great offenses in that heart. You can't pay evil for evil, offense or offense. Bless the person that doesn't bless. Bless the person that curse. Help them open the door and all that you could do. When the coronavirus passes, embrace each other so that the heart of that person can open up in goodness. And I end with Psalm 127.1. My beloved brother and sister, look, if God doesn't build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In vain is the police force and the army of this country. If God is not there, please stand and allow me to pray. Good God, we want your formula, your way as a church, as your church. We have the responsibility to embrace your ordinances without any excuse, without saying, oh, no, that they damaged me. Oh, how unjust. Yes, that we could cry. Yes. That we tremble with the injustices, Lord, but your word is very healthy, is very great and very powerful. And who tastes it, who tests this heavenly formula, will take the earthly success with them. The one who tests this heavenly formula establishes your kingdom on this earth. So then the communities can change and the homes can be transformed and the couples can be aligned and the children submit. And then one submit to another when we only apply these heavenly formulas. Lord, put in us or take away that monster, destroy it, take the foundation of what wants to lift up within us that is to take vengeance on our own. That wants to lift up to damage, Lord, but edify us continually with your spirit and your word to the spiritual being within us that you have lifted, that you have called to life. And today, Lord, with lifted hands, I'm going to invite you where you are, that you lift your hands to heaven and one to the city in whichever direction. There where you are and pray with us, Father, we bless this earth. We bless this Kissimmee, St. Cloud, this Orlando, this Central Florida, the state of Florida. We bless beautiful country of the United States. We bless the other countries and nations in your name. Thank you for this land that is so beautiful, this beautiful planet where it flows milk and everywhere for the abundance that is in this land, for so much water, for so many mountains, for so many flowers, for all that you have given us. Today, we bless it in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare your power running everywhere, healing societies, healing governments and establishing justice, Lord. Bless the family of this person, George Floyd. Bless his daughter. Bless the mother of his daughter. Bless his brothers. Bless the people, his friends that were affected. Bless the communities, the societies. Bless your church and teach us continually to be and do what is correct 
good and right before you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Bring salvation in this day to the heart. In the name of Jesus and the whole church where they may be says, amen. And give the glory to he who lives. Amen. And may God bless you greatly. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos, Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.